Hello and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. I am Alex Kulesh doing the intro this time. I know some people do have some difficulty differentiating between the three of us. I don't know why, uh, but uh, <laughs> it was my turn for the intro today. And I am, of course, joined by Brian Campion. Hello there, Alex. And Chris O'Reilly. Hello, Alex. Hello, Brian. Brian is purposefully not last now in the intros, I see, which is good. Yes, yes. very good. Finally. You've got to mix it up once in a while, you know, you've got to yeah. mix it up. Yeah. It's true what you say, though. That a lot of people do mix our voices up, which I definitely don't understand, because I sound nothing like you two guys. I mean, I can understand there's someone mixing maybe the two of you up, but someone mixing you me and you alex up is is really crazy and it did happen to me one time someone wrote to me on instagram saying that was a great point you made about those stats and i was like stats and me making a great point that definitely wasn't me <laughs> but, <laughs> so just, oh brian your your whole part about the defenders was so interesting your insight into the defensive schemes were just fantastic <laughs> <laughs> like oh, luck, luck mate defenders are only there to be gotten around or shot over that's all i think about defending <laughs> <laughs> oh good so what are we doing today anyway boys we are gonna talk about the best players in the champions league this year and try to rank them and try to get a little bit competitive because my thoughts are that handball is just a little bit too friendly when it comes to picking the best players. Everyone's just like, oh, this guy's a great player, and so is this one. You know, whoever wins the tournament, he, he gets, he gets the MVP, but you know, it'll come around. There's no real breakdown of the best players, the best goalkeepers who, no fight about it. So, uh, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we are going to talk about the MVP after the groom sages try to rank it and project who will be the ultimate MVP in the Champions League. Additionally, we'll talk about the best goalkeepers, most improved player, and of course, the best defender, which Brian will lead us on. <laughs> I don't remember getting the best defender in our notes before this, but uh, I'm sure I can think of one <laughs> off, off, uh, off the fly. Where will we start? We, I think we'll be finished with MVP maybe and we'll do the other ones first to warm up. Goalkeeper first. Yeah, let's start with the goalkeeper, the most boring position on the whole handball court. No, I'm joking. 70% of your defense, boys. Always, uh, as Robert Hamm once said to me when I was 13, the goalkeeper is 70% of your defense. So, Alex, who did you go for? It's definitely not so, going to be Paris de Vargas, because that's too obvious for you. I know you're going to go a bit more hipster than that. Uh, no, it's not too hipster, but I think uh, it, he's also in my MVP ladder. So, I've, I've ranked my MVPs. Uh, so... He will appear in that as well. But I think Andy Wolf has been the best goalkeeper in the Champions League this season. He's really excelled uh, above or back to his really high level that we saw in Kiel and for Germany. He's, you know, I was trying to think of a Kielsa player because, you know, Kielsa have been one of the best teams in the competition so far. I was thinking, who is the best Kielsa player? And I think this season... It's been Andy Wolf. He has the second most saves in the competition with 146, which averages out at 
over 10 goals, uh, 10 saves a game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I know Kielsa play a really fast pace, but not only does has he been consistent this season, he's also just made those unbelievable saves so many times. The leg above the head, the, you know, making himself huge for a line player shot. And he does that continually to build into the momentum of Kielsa because Kielsa are a momentum team and a lot of the time he either builds it or starts it. So my best goalkeeper is Andy Wolf. He was second most saves. He was number one in most saves. Most saves has been uh, Tobias Tulin with 176. Ah, yes. But I would put that down to Keoge's absolutely insane pace. They they played two, you know. They take twice as many. Hold shots. on, hold on, That's hold on here, hold on, hold on. <laughs> because I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to my choice here because it was. If you asked me four weeks ago, it would have also been Andy Wolf, but Tobias Stalin has taken the biscuit for me now, because yes, he has a shed load more saves than Andy Wolf, but he also has a full percentage point more. The thirty-two point five percent compared to Andy Wolf's 31.5%. So no, it's not just about Gheorghe conceding a lot of shots. He's also made a lot of saves and a higher saving percentage than Andy. And so <laughs> if we look at the most recent games as well, I feel like that he, he's kind of stepped up as well for Gheorghe in the, in the last few weeks when they've really needed him. Sorry, Brian. So Alex, if you're not going to go with the most saves in the competition... Are you kind of more going with Andy Wolf there because it's kind of he's finally doing what you thought he always should have done in a Kielsa jersey? Do you think is that anyway influencing your opinion on it for putting him one number one when the stats don't put him in number one position? I, I think there's been so many moments this season where I've just been blown away by Wolf's performance. And I, I think that, that swings it for me. Uh, Tulin has been incredible as well. But I think Wolf just has this incredible ability to just shut down the opposing team and, you know, go through spells of like 10 minutes without conceding. That, like, it was the game against Nantes mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago where Wolf didn't necessarily have the best game. I think he had about nine saves in that game. But basically, like, seven of those saves came in a period where Kielsa were down by four goals against Nantes and then completely flipped the game to Kielsa being up three goals. And they all just came in this amazing flurry of saves. And I think kind of projecting as well, Wolf can influence a game unlike any other goalkeeper in world handball, potentially. But isn't that also just another way of saying, like, when he's good, he's really good, but often he can just like let goes in like a sieve. He is a bit of a Swiss but, but, he is a bit of a Swiss cheese at times. Even now even when he even now. Season. Yes, he's had both, yeah. So because as in he has been consistent as well this season is what okay. I'm saying. Right. Yes, he has periods that um and he's had a couple of bad games uh, this season, but you know, when you average ten, over 10 goals, 10 saves a game, you're you know, you're that means you are consistent. His saving percentage is also really high, but then he has this additional kind of X factor. Chris, is your judgment just is your judgment um, 
colored by the fact that uh, Tulin is from Gothenburg and you just want <laughs> him to be in there because he's a local. No, my, no my, judgment, my judgment is is colored by, it, it's, it is recency bias, I think, not just for the, the Champions League, but also uh, the World Championship in January where he was putting up ridiculous numbers. But that has, that kind of alerted me to what he was doing all season long. You don't get you know, 170 saves in, in the last four games. He had to do that over the course of the season. And uh, mm. to do that and still have a quite a good saving percentage of 32.5%, one of the best in the in the competition, uh, I think deserves uh, a lot of credit. Added to the fact that also he's finally, I just, I'm happy that he's finally kind of making this breakthrough because he has had a, a bit of a stuttering career since he moved to, uh, he moved to Germany to Magdeburg. That didn't work out. Had another move, and then finally went to Giogi, and now it's really clicking for him. So that also yeah, makes me feel like I want to, I want to give him the the best goalkeeper of the uh, season so far. Yeah, I mean, like when you talk, Alex, about about Wolf, like putting his stall up and shutting shutting teams down. I mean, Tobias Tolin had eighteen saves against against uh, Vista Plotsk, which is just absolutely bonkers and. In one of the recent ties, so that's just. But Andy Wolf incredible. has had the best goalkeeping game in the group stage of the Champions League, and that was 19 saves against Elverum. Ah, and Elverum. But that was a game that Elverum, also won by one goal, 27-26. Yeah, and Andy Wolf won them that game completely. I'm torn between these two. I don't know. This is this is a tough one. My my gut instinct when I came on was was. The first person I thought of when we, when we agreed we'd do this was Andy Wolf, actually. Um, but then you think about Tobias Tolin, he's a, he's a, I mean, in goalkeeping terms, he's fairly young. He's what, 27? And he's the main man at, at, at uh, GOG or GOG. I think the next two goalkeepers are two really young youngsters, actually, two 20 year olds, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, so he's a lot riding on the shoulders there, and he probably hasn't been in that position too often in his career so far because he's probably always been the young keeper so I think he's taken on those reins pretty well so I, I'd probably then actually lean, lean towards the pride of Sweden and I'll give it to to Vias Tolin Where does Gonzalo Perez of Argas fit in all of this for you because he is also no, he's another player who really stands out there He's just too, I mean he's going to get MVP probably at the end of the season anyway so like he's just it's almost too obvious you know we can't go that obvious with it like you know he's just so good all the time it's just like we can't almost even start talking about him that that's my feeling honestly which is really bad so so the 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 really interesting thing about this is that emil nielsen has been the guy in crucial times for barcelona this season so this is Mm. uh from the crunch time article from handballytics on the ehf champions league website and emil nielsen has had the best safe percentage in crunch time this season so he has faced 12 shots and cr- crunch time is defined by a game that is within two goals or less going into the last six minutes. And Emil Nielsen has made 12 saves in games like that for Barcelona with a pretty insane save rate of 41.7%, which means that it's actually Barcelona leaning on Emil Nielsen in these really close games. And I wonder if there's a bit of uh, kind of inverse correlation here is that the only time that Barca are in a close game is when Paris de Vargas is having a bad game. So maybe maybe that's what's happening <laughs> yeah. here. That's, that is a, so, that's an interesting way to look at it. Huh? 
<laughs> but ne- nevertheless, it uh, Barca have been in five games like that and have come out on top in three of them, and uh, it was it's it's been Emil Nielsen. So you know, if we're talking about other MVP candidates, it could could easily be Emil Nielsen. In go. terms of like saves per per minute, I think he's probably right up there. I think with Paris de Vargas as well, I probably I'm still probably very coloured by the uh, by the World Championship. It's so hard not to get coloured by those things when you think about performances as well. When I was thinking about Andy Wolf as well, I was thinking, oh yeah, we did well for Germany, but yeah, you kind of do have to kind of forget that kind of stuff when you're thinking about MVP of the Champions League. But I think it was it was stick with Tobias for the moment. It's only a, a placeholder until until we get past these other games. But I think our placeholder goalkeeper we also don't have to agree <laughs> that's true but it's two it's 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 two against one so <laughs> very good what do you want to go for next brian uh, let's go for most improved and i went for i presume you mean i meant player by this alex most improved player and i think a player for me it's not re- for me it wasn't really improved during this season but kind of this season's been a huge improvement compared to other seasons that we've seen them in the champions league and i went for danny christopans mm. who when you look back at the la- his last two seasons he's had he's been oh, i don't he's, i wouldn't call him a ghost but people are, have often questioned where is danny christopans where is that all the old danny christopans of Vardar uh, and and of uh, not yesteryear, that's probably going a bit too far back. But in 2020, 2021, he scored 36 goals, 20, 21, 21, 22, 34. And this year, I think probably with the absence of Dominic Mata, I think it was, there was a lot more uh, pressure put on him. And obviously, Prandi's the other side of the court, but with him being out when he had that awful uh, stabbing incident, there was uh, a big emphasis put on him to come up with the goals and he's done very well so far this season he's he scored 68 so far so I think he's had a, a way brighter season this time around and funnily enough I think someone like him and Luke Steins seem to the, the the weirdest kind of pairing of players ever the smallest and the biggest in the league playing together uh, seem to match up really really well and one thing I've noticed from going to Champions League games they're always coming off the bus together and always chatting before the game and on the court Danny's and Luke, before the game, I mean, proper in-depth, I do this, you do that, I'll go here, then we do this. In those conversations, is it Luke Stein's shouting up or is it Chris Apan's leaning down? How does that work? <laughs> oh, no, it's it, it's usually, it's usually <laughs> Danny's is usually sitting down and he's sitting on his knee. That's how it usually works. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I actually... I was between a couple of players here. W- one was another PSG player and that is Kamil Shipchak. Um, who, okay, his stats are inflated because he takes penalties, but he's been really impressive in attack for PSG, and he's you know he's become a more of a focal point. So I think he's always had it, but not to the level that we're seeing him this season. And uh, the other player I had was, uh, sorry, I just forgot him now uh, the, <laughs> the other player i had was uh simon sitchko because i think he's taken it to another level and we've spoken about him really claiming that left back position for kielsa and you know time and time again being trusted with the big shots being trusted to take over games where it's not just alex dushbaev you have sitchko there as well 
I did go for Camille Shipshack, and it is an improvement that I think we saw already towards the end of last season, right? So it may be a little bit, let's say over the last 12 months, there's been the biggest improvement because you're right, his, his shooting stats, yeah, the penalties, right? But you still have to score the penalties and you still have to be a line player who's given the responsibility to take the penalties, which I think he has done something incredible there that I don't still really understand how that he's taken over the penalty duties, but there he is and he's... Um, uh, it's it's his but 83 goals this season almost matched what he did last season which suggests to me that he was already kind of having this upward trend but then you look at the seasons he had before so we're talking about champions league here only but like uh in 2020 2021 51 goals this season before that 50 goals for barca 2018 19 25 goals 45 goals 38 goals 20 that's all his barca stats um he's gone from being like a one of the line players for PSG in a position where they were pretty heavily stacked with like Toft Hansen and Luka Karabatic but now he he has become the line player for them and uh, yeah I'm really happy for him also that he's he's doing it at this point in his career he's what 31 now so yeah in that sense I think it's a very much improved player Actually, sorry, lads. We, we've got this all wrong. There's a clear winner <laughs> to this. It's Alex Vla. It's oh, obviously Alex yeah. Vla. Have him in mind <laughs> as well. But was he playing the no. Champions League before? Oh, he was. Yeah, he played he, in Zagreb for uh, off-season. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're totally right, That's, Alex. Uh, that yeah. that kind of confirms it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, none of us thought of that. Yeah, in the 2021 season, he got 10 goals for Zagreb. 59%, three assists, one steal. And in the 22-23 season, he has 88 goals, top score in the competition, 30 assists. He's shooting really, really well, 61%. Uh, for a player who has to take a lot of shots, That that is fantastic. He is unfortunately out of the competition, so he won't... Uh, be able to kind of keep that top score ranking but obviously this is the 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 breakout player the most improved player he's got himself a nice contract to all war and um just a revelation yeah agree yeah Yeah, that's 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 clear (laughs) congratulations alex fly on most improved player hopefully you keep on improving uh, it won't be a one-hit wonder this season. I don't think so. I think I think it'd be pretty good. He's still pretty young. I think he's about twenty-five yeah. still, so he still has a lot of time left. Um, well, let's do youngest player next then. Um, I, I have a sneaking suspicion we might have all went for Danish just, players. Just, I don't know. Just what you're just <laughs> so younger. Oh no, that's the, yeah, the youngest the, the player, not youngest the best player. youngest player. I, I don't know who. Just the youngest. The youngest. <laughs> yeah, whereas there was a seventeen-year-old in the squad. Um, I, I, when I was preparing for this, I was I was coming up with a lot of Danish names. I'll be honest with you. So I I was trying to not maybe go for one that you went for, but I fear maybe me and Alex might have gone for the same player. But um, I went for I think a young player, anyone under twenty two. I think is quite fair. No, for youngest player, yeah, or, no, best young player, <laughs> <laughs> the youngest player award, youngest player do, handball. Do, do we give <laughs> extra points for? The younger you are, the you know, is it a a little bit of a 
co I like that yeah. system here. The, the younger you are, you get a bit of leeway. You get a bit more uh, potential because in that, case, I reckon if you're yeah, you get you get ten goals on your tally if you're like a year younger. <laughs> so twenty two gets nothing, zero. You get it. That's your goal tally. Twenty one will add ten goals onto it. Twenty, ten, twenty more goals. Is that right? And then if you're 17, God love you, you're probably going to win the whole thing. I mean, the, if you scored one goal. <laughs> the problem for me is that I had two people in mind. Both of them are 22, so I, I don't know where to go yeah. with this. Uh, two Danish players, yeah. Yeah. Emil Madsen and Simon Pitlick. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's only yeah. one way, only one team to look at when you're like, okay, who's got the best young players? It used to be Selya, now it's Gyogi. And I think even Celia didn't have that this height of this amount of talent. No, they had to rely on an old twenty-five-year-old to get all their goals. What? A, yeah, they've lost. <laughs> they've lost their je ne sais quoi. So, Alex, you're the you're the in-house Danish expert. Could you pick apart? Uh, would you go for Madsen or would you go for Simon Pitlick in terms of? Because in terms of their actual stats, they're very close together, aren't they? I mean, Emil Madsen has seventy-seven goals, and Simon has. Two less, is it? Or but Pitlick has fifty-five assists, which is the key, yeah. the key thing for me. He's got more assists than their own playmaker Olsen. It has to be Pitlick. He's been a revelation this season, and I think they. So he was rested for a game, uh, that for Gay in the second last round, and you could see the difference there. Emil Madsen was there, but they just they can't replicate the absolute insanity that uh, Putlik brings on the court. The just relentless battering of defences in every single way, whether it's shooting over, shooting under, shooting through. He's he's just absolutely special. But do you think the fact that they're both 22 as well, uh, a thing which would often happen in these kind of awards, I think it's, is it a bit, cheek, a bit silly or a bit cheeky to give Simon Pitlick Best Young Player Award when he's that good? Do you know, we're not talking about... Like he's almost should be up for MVP rather than best young player. And then we give Emil Madsen then best young player. I don't think he's the MVP though. But he's in he's in contention for it, no? He is, but he could he could he could, he could be in contention. Sure. But yeah, you would say he's the MVP, yeah. Yeah, sure. No. I think Gyogi haven't been Yeah, I think you have to be higher in the table. <laughs> little hint yeah. into where I'm going later uh, <laughs> with it I think Gyogi I think the Young Player Award is is ripe for the teams that finish third, fourth, fifth in the group um, I mean since we own this podcast yeah it's a bit like when we had that discussion like oh is it too early to be giving Henny Reista and uh, Matthias Giesel the Player of the Year awards it's like no they're just they're just good now like let's celebrate that now uh, Pitlick won't be eligible for this ever again, so we may as well get it now. True. <laughs> to be honest, I, I can't can't really think of anyone be beyond those two. The the only one which I'll I'll throw in is, and bear with me with the pronunciation here, Marcel Jastrzebski, Jastrzebski, for Visa Plotsk, who is nineteen years old and he's a goalkeeper. So he gets the bonus for being a younger player. And while he hasn't had the best season, he had potentially one of the greatest games we've ever seen from a young player. And that was his 19 saves against Magdeburg, which got Visa Plus a huge win, 25-24, and basically allowed them to qualify. So uh, that's that's just someone to, to look out for. 
And he's, he's 19, so he gets those bonus points. He gets a lot of bonus points there. There's one other player who is 22, so no bonus points there. But I think in the context of the team he's gone into and what he's done with them, I think deserves a lot of credit. Uh, it happened in the last bonus pod where Sasha forgot he was so young. It's Eric Johansson. He True. is another good shout, I think. Yeah, Victor Halgusam also in Nantes is only 22, so he, I remember he had a, a few decent performances this season. Yes. So he'd be also on the shortlist for that. Has to be Simput. Like he's he's an absolute superstar. He is. Yeah. You know, he's going to be at the top of world handball for many years, and this has been his breakout year. Um, and let's see where he can take Kyoge. You know, they're not done. I don't think. You know, the game against Alborg is going to be really exciting. He's going to be crucial in that. And then, you know, up comes Barcelona in the quarterfinal. And, you know, if anyone can beat Barcelona, I think it's some plucky young Danes. <laughs> you heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> so, Put- All right. Now, now I think we need to get into the real juicy stuff. Now it's time for uh, where we... we, we tear up our our bonds of friendship <laughs> throw them into the fire so, for the sake of this I, debate i want to <laughs> put a primer here so i think so for the other awards we've kind of been talking about the you know the leader during the group stage but i, I want to give you a challenge so also we're talking about who is going to be the mvp at the very end of the whole tournament we're not talking just ehf final four MVP because that's that's this whole thing in itself but if we're talking about who is going to be the MVP at the very end of the tournament that encapsulates the full performance Mm. of the competition kind of build that into your uh, your predictions with that Alex take us away Do do you want me to give my full ranking here give your full ranking please do so in fourth place on my ranking is Andy Wolf who uh, I spoke about earlier. I think he's been the best goalkeeper in the competition. And I think he has a real chance of becoming overall MVP if he does put in those insane performances. Third place, I had Luke Steins, uh, who, you know, PSG have been very good in this competition. They, (laughs) actually, hold on. We didn't even talk about Pedern and Adic. In, 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 at all we'll, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. <laughs> that's true <laughs> but Luke so much going is going to get Petr Nadaric beside him uh, on the court and uh, he's been the top assist getter in the competition 95 which is miles above everyone else uh, about close to 30 above Rui Silva in second and he's also been scoring really well He's just got 50 goals, but shooting 78%, which is pretty damn sweet. And, you know, this is his team. PSG is his team. So if PSG do finally win the Champions League, it's going to be his achievement. Second place, I've got Christiansen, who is just, just unbelievable. And in top place, I've got Dikamem. Which might shock some people, but I do have DKMM as number one in my MVP ladder. Okay, give us your your case for DKMM. 
Dikamem, uh, he has 74 goals uh, in the competition. And he's shooting 64%, exactly, you know, 64% exactly where you want a nine meter shooter like that. But as we've kind of spoken about in the last couple of uh, podcasts, and it's something that I've, you know, always questioned Dikam about, he has stepped up when they need it most. Uh, and he's actually the top crunch time scorer for Barcelona. So he, yeah, he basically scores a goal every time, at least a goal every time they're in crunch time. So he's got four goals in those five games. And, you know, it just feels like this is his team as well. Again, you know, we talk about handball's quite an equal sport and, you know, there's uh, there's so much built into a team. But finally, it feels like this team is going where DKMM takes them. And, yeah, just... Uh, I, I can see this this route all the way to the top. And Barcelona have just been the best team. They've just been incredible. So I think he has to be at the top. Okay. When I was looking into this, I was looking at the, the top two teams, the teams that have won the groups, and I'm like, okay, they have been both fairly dominant. Like, what are the key attributes to this? Which are the players that really drove it? Um, in Barca's case... It was Dikamem was one of them. Yes, Gonzalo Perez de Vargas was another one. Um, a third one who I'm not gonna go for, but I, he is my second, let's say, nomination from from this is Ludovic Fabregas, who I think has been really good this season. Um, he's been good on the the attacking front, 58 goals, but uh, also brilliant in defense. 12 steals, I think, is among the among the top in the Champions League this season. And just every time I've seen him in the big games for Barca, he has been a, an all-action player, uh, both ways, doing everything. And often in, in the real big matches, the either the player of the match or one of the top three. But I did go for Luke Steins as my MVP oh. of the season so far. And also projecting ahead, because as you said yourself, Alex, if PSG finally do it this season, it will be his team and it will be him who's done it. A ridiculous, like he's, he has destroyed the stat, uh, the assist stat this season. I think he's a good, like uh, 30 assists ahead of anyone else in the competition. 95 this season, 50 goals as well. And PSG don't do this too often, but when they do steal the ball, it's also Luke Steins. Um, but yeah, he's made this team 100% his own. Uh, he's already, since he came to the club, was kind of jostling for that, but now it is, uh, it's clear to see it's him. And I think what has brought them to this number one position in the group, which in itself is maybe a little bit of a surprise if uh, we look back to how we thought about PSG at the start of the season. And if they were to go all the way, uh, it'll be him who is the MVP. So who, who would you have uh, second on your ladder? I'm going to stick with Fabregas. Third on my ladder, Simon Pitlick. And fourth, oh. even though I don't think he's the best goalkeeper, for whatever reason, Andy Wolf as well. <laughs> Because like <laughs> looking, looking because of the looking forward bit, like to projecting to who the overall MVP could be, um, Andy Wolf. 
What about you, Brian? Right, so I have a list of 14 players here. I'm just going to go through them. <laughs> uh, fifth place, I couldn't pick between two players, but I think I might be swayed by something you said. Well, you uh, have a Chris. fifth place. <laughs> I, uh, and well, and okay. a sixth place, it seems. <laughs> well... <laughs> it was a joint fifth place. It was a joint fifth place. <laughs> joint fifth place in my in my B list. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so I had Fabregas and Morito for joint joint fifth, and I put Morito in there because just the times I've seen Kielsa play this season, he's always just there to turn the screw for Kielsa when when they need it. And I know we don't like to give it to wingers when they're just going on fast breaks all the time and taking penalties, but you do need someone to score those goals, and he is he can be as cold as ice for them. And you're pretty much guaranteed about six goals with them every game. So he's he's going he's going to be you need you need someone to score goals, and he's always going to be there for you. But maybe the defensive output by Fabricas maybe has pushed him uh, up the list. And he's also has fifty. I think it was fifty eight goals as well. So he's uh, he's having a, a very strong season. Fourth place, I actually then went for Shipshack. I know a bit of a weird one, but I thought he is a guy who has stolen a lot of headlines really and becoming a very unlikely hero for this PSG team and we've always seen him over the years being a very decent strong line player but this season and coming and just kind of shaking it up and, and such a, a club to do in it as well it's not a club that you think you can just walk in the door there I mean he's been there since 2019 but this season especially he's kind of really stamped his name um, on not only the starting lineup, but the man who's going to be taking the penalties. And in a club like PSG, with all those uh, big names and egos and what, whatever, it's. Uh, I remember at the start of the season, we said, Chris, that, oh, they've signed all the nice guys now, but maybe somehow Shipshack doesn't seem like such a nice guy. No, he's a lovely guy, don't get me wrong. But in terms of on his court, his on court persona, he's a bit of a badass as well, like, you know, so it's, it's good to see him kind of develop into that, uh, into that player. Uh, number three, then, I'm actually just going to swap these around here right now DKMM uh, <laughs> in third position <laughs> and I've moved up Luke Steins to second position so my number one bit of a weird one but uh, Chris Janssen of uh, Magdeburg with his age 23 years old he's just out of our young category award is that why so you I said it at 22 <laughs> <laughs> no I just to be fair there's uh, a I've been, 23 year olds yeah, around. there's a lot yeah but I think he's he's the absolute the absolute engine of that uh, Magdeburg team, and he's he's an absolute joy uh, a joy to watch. And uh, yeah, I, I just think he just gives them really something special. Yeah. And with his age and his seventy four goals, I think he's a good shout for for MVP. Will he get it? I don't know. I mean, obviously. So as we've kind of talked through this, and I I skipped over Christiansen a little bit in my ranking. I had him second, mm. but. I think I'm going to bump him to first. And there's, you know, the, the more I think about it, he, you know, Magdeburger have qualified for the quarterfinal. So they are through, and actually they have one of the easier ties in that quarterfinal if it does come out. So I, I think they have a real good chance of getting to the final four. Yeah, just so to be they, clear, they're they, going to play the winner of Nantes-Plotsk, yeah? Just for people yeah. who yeah. don't have yeah, to exactly. decide so them. Play, yeah, play the winner of mm. Nantes-Plotsk, which I definitely knew off the top of my head there, and I wasn't looking up as I was talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> 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 but, um, and 
I'll go back to the crunch time article as well. He has been Mr. Clutch this season for Magdeburg. And it's been an like his performance in those games is unlike you'll ever see uh, we've ever seen before. He scored ten goals, which is the most uh, out of any player from eleven shots. So if you're stuck, give it to Christiansen and he'll make it happen. And we've seen it time and time again uh, in the Bundesliga in the cup. He's just he's fearless. Uh, he also has forty assists on top of that. And he's just shooting an absolutely insane 75% overall because he just gets to the six-meter line. Every single shot is really good. So when you kind of look towards the season, I want to add in the fact that Magnussen is injured for Magdeburg. So that's, that's a factor that can't be ignored. Magdeburg have managed to qualify for the quarterfinal directly which is a huge relief for them, I think, with the schedule they have. They are in a prime position to get to the Final Four. And then, you know, you have this guy who can win any game for you. You know, you, you have a player who you can give the ball in tight games. And there's going to be tight games, quarterfinal onwards. So he, he can just, you know, he can just do it. And, you know, I, I kind of gave Decomen props for his 64% shooting percentage. You know, he, as a backcourt shooter, but just don't shoot from the backcourt. Go go to the six-meter line like Chris Hansen if you can. Yeah, that, Decomen can't do that. <laughs> Probably why, why he has such high percentages because the way he throws himself at, at the six-meter line, it's like, I'm either going to score or get a penalty here. There's no, there's nothing in between. I guess it, in a way... The way you're framing it is also a little bit of like, who do you want to, if you're looking forward, a true MVP is the player you want to have the ball in in your hands for the final seconds of the final. Luke Steins, Deacon Mem, or Chris Janssen, or Andy Wolf. I'd say Chris Janssen. <laughs> with, <laughs> with Luke Steins a, a close second. If, if Luke Steins has 20 meters to run at you, I'd give it to him. But uh, at the nine meter line, Chris Jensen. I mean, as you said, Alex, as well, like they do have, well, obviously they're skipping the playoff match. So they'll have an extra game rest there, but also playing the winner of Nantes, Watsk, which they would have to fancy themselves going into that. And to think that with their huge gap, that a huge break that they've had over the years and not being in the Champions League for so long, it's quite the story. Those guys coming back in and then in their first season back, making it all the way to Cologne. And, you know, the support with the German teams getting Cologne as well. It could be quite the story. And if Christian then was to pick up MVP, it'd be an absolutely incredible, an incredible tale. Oh, I really, I really want to disagree because you're basically going two, two against one here, right? With uh, with Chris Jansen. I I'm going to stick with Steins, but I think it does go to show with the players we've spoken about in two cases of PSG and Barca, like showing just why they're as good as they are because there are two or three players for each team that are in this conversation. So Christopans or Shipshack or Steins for, for PSG, Fabregas, Mem, Perez of Argas perhaps uh, for Barca. There's just players there on both teams that are, yeah, on a, on a given day at the final four could be the, the MVP. But you're, you're sticking with Chris Janssen. 
Brian. Yeah, I think so. I think I'll stick with them. But I, I tell you what, I will move up on my list for as much as it. I don't know if it means anything to you, Chris. I'll move Luke Steins up to second. You did. You that? did already. Did I? Yeah. Oh, no, I put him from. Oh no, I yeah. did. Sorry, <laughs> I actually moved. Honestly, he moved way up on my list. Actually, he was down in fourth. <laughs> <laughs> He's been bumped up twice. I still have Tikam M as as my second in that because yeah. I just believe in Barcelona more than PSG. Um, Christiansen at the top. Who would have thought? You know, even a a couple of months ago, it was all Magnussen, but. Actually, looking back, you know, the, those crunch time stats that I talked about, a lot of those games happened early in the competition, mm-hmm. in the first round of games, where Magdeburg had some really tough games. And Christiansen was the player, even though Magnussen was there. So, it's, you know, n- not too much has changed. Right, here's a question for you. Could Magnussen do it the way he does it without Christiansen? Christiansen is proving he can do it now with anyone. Kai Smith, but could Mag- <laughs> could Magnuson could Magnuson do it if Chris Janssen wasn't there working with him? Would he be the same player, like the same player he is for club and country, because he has the same guy beside him? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think okay. Magnuson could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see but why it, not. It, there's no evidence to the contrary. No, yes, I just wonder if there's something you know, if there's something so special about this combination of players that mm-hmm. that really unlocks. Magnuson's potential in a in a different way because Magnuson has been around for a while and it just feels like the mm. addition like Chris Janssen you know Chris Janssen beside him in comparison to Marco Bezjak beside him or Christian O'Sullivan beside him as a few years ago it feels like that has that has unlocked a new level in him it's uh, chemistry like you'd have in uh, FIFA you know, player chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> Any players you can think, you know, we, we have focused on the top four teams who have all progressed into the quarterfinals. But we have some playoff games that, as we mentioned in our last podcast, mm-hmm. we're very excited for. Any players from those teams that you can see emerging into this discussion? So, Chris, you had Simon Putlik, Putlik right yeah. up there. I think Putlik is Do you think, one. Do you um, think he really has MVP potential? Or, you know, right now. Where, Simon, Simon Putlik had MVP potential at the World Championship. So, yes, he, is world, he can do it in the Champions League as well. Yeah, if if they do like you suggested there earlier in the podcast, Alex, they beat Alborg and beat Barca and get to the Final Four, then there'll be one... Well, there, again, there'll be a couple of people involved in it. Madsen, Putlik, and uh, Tobias Tulin. And young, not so young anymore, Yeri Tolbring. They're in the business out in the left wing. Yeah, I mean, it's someone like Rasmus Lauga for, for Vesprem as well. Like, you know, he was probably their best player against PSG. And he was, uh, I mean, we all remember what he did at the World Championship in the final. So he has those big games and he can still pull out some massive performances had, has, has had a good season so far as well like um but yeah he surely was is in contention if someone like yeah omar wasn't injured you'd also probably think, think that he could have got pushed on to do to do great things here's a name for you and because he wasn't in this conversation at all which is kind of funny we consider that we haven't had a conversation like this for years without mentioning him because he has been injured for much of the season but if keel are to go all the way it has to be Sanders Augustin who is the 
the key guy to drag them one last hurrah with the boys with the zebras before he goes to mm. Costa. Yeah, it's been it's been quite enough, hasn't it? On that in that regard, when you think, I mean, we talked a lot a lot about him in the build up to the to the World Championship, but in terms of the club front, yeah, we almost as you said, Chris, we almost forgot about him, didn't we? But he he hasn't been quite the same out of the injury. He's still just finding his form, yeah. and he's been too up and down for me. I think even in um, mm-hmm. the Bundesliga, so you, you, Kiel lost to Leipzig, and Sander Sagensen ended up having a good game, but he was having a stinker at the start. He was three from eight or three from ten to start the game, but then scored five in a row to finish eight from fifteen, and it just seems a little bit too up and down for me. Can he hit form and take Kiel all the way? Currently, I don't think so. I just, I, I just don't see that happening. I, it's hard to say that about an amazing player like Sagasin, but I just don't see it happening. Any other names you throw in there, Alex? Lauga was actually, mm. uh, if I was going to have a fifth on my list, it would have been Lauga. Uh, he has been the kind of rock for Vesprem this season. He's the only player who's just seems like the only player who's really, really focused. And he has 65 goals um, in the competition, which is very impressive, 45 assists. He's, I think he's there. Let's see if the dynamic changes when Remy comes into that squad, Mm. you know, what what will happen. But if Veshprem stand a chance, it's going to be Lauga they're leaning on. Um, But again, something that might happen, but I, I just don't see it right now when Aaron Parmelson signed for for Alborg you probably would have thought if you asked someone back then of, of potential MVP names for future final fours you probably could have thought well if Alborg get there again and Aaron Parmelson's in the mix he might be a name that you'd be thrown up there but I think it's safe to say that he's been I mean probably okay for Alborg and he had a good very good last game I think he's good 10 against uh against Celia but overall hasn't really worked and now he's moving on to Iceland so his his venture in, in Alborg hasn't been amazing. Is it safe to say? Or what do you think, Alex? You've seen a lot more of them? Yeah, and Alborg have just been terrible. Yeah. Like there's, there's mm. no kind of pussyfooting around this. They've they've been very poor. They you know, they mm. scraped into the playoffs, technically, you know, they're relatively safe, but um yeah, they they just haven't been good enough and as a whole team I just don't see them doing anything this season even if Aaron Palmerson plays plays well he he still has those flashes and um mm. but you know how, how many years in a row are we going to say that Aaron Palmerson ha- is the most amazing player in the yeah. world for 15 minutes of every third game you know <laughs> I'm not going into that again La- last point i just want to mention on Christiansen and we didn't uh, talk about this and maybe that's why originally i had dkmm ahead of him he doesn't defend not much oh, yes. so yeah but that's because magdeburg have their own very unique system yeah it, and yeah. it works and he doesn't have to yeah. but you know if we're talking yeah. uh, mvp you can't ignore the defense as a whole but out of all of our top players you know Licksteins mm. doesn't defend dkmm is hey, building a better hey, better defense four steals this season for Licksteins. <laughs> defense comes in all shapes and sizes <laughs> yeah, but, it, but yeah speaking of players 
uh, before we go, who don't defend, but could it be MVPs? You mentioned him there, Peter Nanadic, leaving Vesprem in some sort of disgrace, which I still don't know the full story about. Maybe we never will, but he signed for PSG. How about that? That's just wild. It's a bit of a mad one. I mean, anyone who has talked to anyone who's played with Peter Nanadic in the past, and I remember when we were at, working at the EHF Cup final, and we were talking to some of the Fuxa players after the after the game not to throw them under the bus but i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> um <laughs> they would i mean he was off drinking on his own and doing his own thing very much his own man so i, I think it's it doesn't probably take a lot for a co- or so someone of the coaching staff or some sort of fracture to to appear with with peter nanadic he seems like a very strong willed personality and maybe the psg will suit him perfectly i mean it's only until the end of the season but yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Does it really work with Luke Steins and the the fast backward to try to play there with Peter Nadas, who's a guy who just never wants to pass the ball and uh, holds on to it for so long and slows down a lot of attacks? It's a bit of a random one, I think, in terms of their style of play. I think it's high risk, high reward for PSG because they do need a left back. Um, Prandi is their only left back. They do have... Um, Karabatic, obviously, but he, he's been kind of in and out of injuries throughout the season. He's not the same player, really. And it could work beautifully. That is, that is, yeah. it, it could work. And, you know, they only need him, you know, they can still rely on Prandi because Nanadic is kind of coming in to a team for half a season. He's not going to be able to, like, assert himself and be the alpha dog or probably wouldn't expect to be the alpha dog in, in a team like that that he's only temporarily there for and maybe he plays a role like Palmerson in Barcelona back in those days where you know you're stuck then Adish gets you four goals and and you win your Champions League semi-final and that's that's all you need from him you just need 15 minutes from him at the right time or that can just blow up the team and everyone hates each other. So high risk, high reward. <laughs> That's what comes to my mind. It's like Nikola Karabatic tries to set him straight and he ends up just like getting in a fight. He's a bit like that classic sitcom trope of the like the bad boy and and his new girlfriend each time is like, oh, I can change him for the better. He's going to be my project. And then eventually they just give up on him. I don't think he's exactly that type anymore. Hard to really say without knowing the full details of what he did to the team or to Momir Ilic outside of his house, if that's true. But yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll find out. When we find out, we'll talk more about it. But until then, we can uh, look forward to that. I think um, in the who you'd prefer... Nanadic to your team or Remili for the second half of the season. I think Vesprem uh, ended up doing quite okay with Remili. I think so too. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks again. Thank you to all our Patreon listeners. You mean a lot to us. I love you all individually so much. Um, <laughs> thank you from. That's a strange one. Okay. I'll start again. <laughs> no. <that's-> <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll leave it at that then. Uh, Thank you from me, Chris and Alex. We'll see you next time. Keep watching Handball. Keep writing to us. Stay in touch. And uh, au revoir. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 